For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Gentlemen, how you doing this morning? We'll start off with you, Randy. Oh, 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 oh. I'm doing very well, Jeff. How are you? Oh, wait a minute. That's not Randy. That's Santa Claus. <laughs> Sandy, it's a pleasure to have you on the radio show. We've got a celebrity guest this week. Ask Randy how he's doing, okay? Yeah, Randy, how are you doing? I think Randy's doing well. Jake, how are you doing? <laughs> doing well, Jeff. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for Christmas to come every year. I get almost as excited as I did when I was a little kid, and Christmas was a very special time of year. And as a little child, I mean, Christmas comes, and all you can think about is the toys and the things that you're going to get. Now, I grew up in somewhat of a religious background, so I knew well what Christmas is all about. But I really think that a lot of people neglect what the real meaning of Christmas is, don't they? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we get caught up in all of the business part of Christmas, and it's pretty easy to do because, you know, right now everybody's looking for, is, are we going to have a Santa Claus rally in the market, right? Right, right. Well, so while that's important, I do think it is important that we realize and remember that we were given the ultimate gift to pay a price we could never pay. And so I think that people just need to be thankful for what we have. And I will say this too, for most of us here in America, especially a lot of us listening to this program, people say, what are you getting for Christmas? Well, you know what it amounts to? It's Christmas every day for a lot of us, right? Right, right. You know, if we look around the world at how people live and how we live here in this country, even during this tough financial time, we certainly have a lot to be thankful for. And, you know, Jeff, uh, this time of the year, Lisa and I sometimes look at each other and we say, well, honey, what do you want for Christmas? And so uh, we did that this morning. Well, what do you want for Christmas? Because we've talked about it several times over mm -hmm. the, you know, the month or so. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't really need anything, you know. So what we decided to do this year, rather than get something for each other. We're going to go ahead and we picked two people that we wanted to bless this year with wow. Christmas that might not be as fortunate as we are. And so we're really excited to uh, do that over the next few days. That's a cool idea. Yeah, that is fantastic. I hope people listening to this program get a hint there and do a similar thing because my wife and I the same way. We don't really need anything for Christmas, so we do give to others at uh, Christmas time who may be a little less fortunate, but that is a fantastic idea. And I think that is the real spirit of Christmas. Now, Santa Claus, as we know, does come down the chimney. And when I was a kid, I mean, he would come down the chimney and uh, he would eat the cookies and he would drink the milk that was on the table there. I was always amazed. When I woke up in the morning that the milk was gone and there was a partial cookie, but Jake, you said in your house, maybe there wouldn't be any cookie left? Definitely no cookie <laughs> remaining uh, in my house. <laughs> so one thing I should interject here is, you know, we had a gas fireplace in our house, and so when Santa would come down, I'd flip on the heat. He went right back up the chimney. <laughs> you were always the trickster there, weren't you, Randy? <laughs> 
Anyway, it is, uh, as we said, the most wonderful time of year. I hope everybody is doing well at this time of the year and that Santa Claus uh, blesses you. And if Santa Claus doesn't need to bless you, go ahead and do uh, what Randy's doing and bless someone else. Well, in this segment, we want to keep it a little bit Christmassy here. And uh, I found a little article on the Internet that I want to expand on. It's a great idea. It's four money lessons that we can learn from Ebenezer Scrooge. So let's kick it off that way, guys. What is lesson number one that we could take from Ebenezer Scrooge? So, you know, I think number one is he didn't try to keep up with the Joneses, you know, that always live next door, right? Right. It's interesting, you know, the other day I was reading, oh, some type of an excerpt from a news feed or something about Charlie Munger, which is Warren Buffett's business partner of about 55 years. And he said, you know, people really aren't greedy. He said they're covetous Mm -hmm. and they're filled with envy. And that's what drives people to do things they maybe shouldn't do. And of course, we know that... uh, Ebenezer was that way, right? He was a little covetous. He wanted to save money at all costs, not spend anything, and scrape every bit of gold up out of everything he could find. And it was uh-huh. an interesting story. But, you know, he certainly did, during the time, learn that uh, big screen TVs and the latest cell phone and right. the shiniest new car maybe isn't as important as some other things. Right. And I have noticed that with wealthy people, too, they don't necessarily drive the fanciest of cars or have the fanciest of watches or anything. They're really conservative people. And on the other hand, I've met many people who have fancy cars and fancy watches, but they're in debt up to their eyeballs. And really, it is just not a good thing. I think most millionaires, and tell me if I'm wrong about your wealthy clients, do they really covet things? No, they drive Ford F-150s. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and one that's probably three to five years old on average. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that a lot of people listening to the show right now, for sure, and a lot of our clients understand the value of a dollar and don't have a habit of throwing dollars away. And I think that's how you end up wealthy is not by making a lot of money. It's by conserving what you have. Right. And that is a very good lesson. It took me a long time to learn that, but I've learned it. I'm so much better off for that. We're talking about lessons that we can learn at this time of the year from Ebenezer Scrooge. Next one on the list, guys, is he lives within his means. Yep. You know, that's a tough one to do these days, Jeff. If people are easily swayed by advertising, which, guess what? Ding, 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 ding. People are easily swayed by advertising. Yeah, that's that's why nobody knows what Christmas is about, right? (laughs) Right, right. Because every time you turn the TV on, it's Black Friday sale this and Christmas sale and and New Year's sale that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we have lots of people come through here, and, and like Jake had already kind of alluded to, those people learned to spend less. They learned to live on what they had. And as they grew their wealth and maybe even as they grew their careers over time and made more money, they continued to live as they always did and they saved that money. And sometimes what we find is that we really have to help people to loosen up and switch from right. this savings mode to where they can actually spend some money in retirement. And it's it's quite a transition sometimes to get people to kind of get to the other side of, okay, I've been saving, 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 saving. Now I got to spend. In fact, what's interesting is we find we have a lot of retirees that still in retirement are saving money. Yeah. Still, they can't stop. 
Right, and I think spending less than we earn is one of the surest ways to build financial uh, stability. And, of course, avoiding debt is a big one, too. But, I mean, you don't want to be the richest guy in the graveyard. I mean, you have saved this money for some reason. And at some point, you've got enough money in the coffers that if some sort of an emergency happens, you can cover that. But, you know, enjoy yourself. Enjoy life a little bit. And it maybe help other people. So live within your means. And then as you save money, your means becomes different. And then you can enjoy life a little bit. So I think that's a very important lesson. The next one is you don't need to always spend money to be happy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, part of what I think we've lost in this country and over time is the fact that, you know, I remember growing up every Sunday afternoon after church, we either went to Grandma and Grandpa Floyd's or on my mom's side, Grandma and Grandpa Maggard's. And we went there and they had been cooking, you know, probably on the Saturday afternoon before that they were making yeast rolls and all that sort of thing, getting everything ready, making dressing, cooking turkey or whatever the case may be. And we knew we were going to be there and we would have dinner after church. And then what we would call it, now, you know, in different parts of the country, you have different colloquialisms and and different (laughs) ways of saying things, right? Right. So we'd call it, after we get done eating, we'll go out on the porch and we'll blow. And what that basically... (laughs) But I've that never basically met. <laughs> I've never heard that one. So explain that well, one to me. That could mean a lot of things, so, Randy. You need to so, clarify. So yeah. what that really means is we just go out and we would tell stories. Okay. And so, so we go out on the porch and blow. And generally, you know, some of the group would chew tobacco. There were a few smokers we'd put downwind, and then uh, we'd generally have a watermelon in the yard yeah. afterwards. Oh yeah. And of course, the chickens ran there too. And right. as I grew up, you know, we generally did not wear shoes very very often at grandma's house. And so you haven't lived till you've had chicken manure between your toes with watermelon juice and it's really sticky and gross. Sound like a good time to me. (laughs) When you were talking about that, I was thinking he's going to lead up to either dinner or supper. I've never understood the difference. We're going to have supper or we're going to have dinner. What is the difference there? Does anybody know? Yeah, where you grew up is basically that's about <laughs> the it, huh? There. Okay. Yeah, I mean, for for us, you know, growing up, it was breakfast, dinner, and supper. Now everybody calls it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You yeah, know, it's sure. kind of what the the standard is around here. But yeah, when I grew up, it was breakfast, dinner. And supper is what we had. <laughs> well, you don't always need to spend money to be happy. And it sounds like those were some very happy memories, Randy. The next one here is you can be charitable and build wealth at the same time. You certainly can. In fact, you know, one of the cornerstones, I think, of wealth building is to be charitable and to understand where the blessings of life come from. And right. so I certainly, certainly uh, will tell you that. I'm not sure that you can build wealth without being charitable, and that may sound crazy to some people, but I do believe that. So, Randy, beyond things like, you know, giving uh, old clothing and old furniture and so forth to the goodwill, what are some of the other ways that you can be charitable at this time of the year? Sure, you can support outreach ministries at church. There's all sorts of things like that. We have this thing called the season of giving that we do at our church, mm-hmm. where basically uh, we take up a special offering. And what we do this year, our church, and we go to a fairly sizable church with different campuses around Southwest Missouri here. But we gave away 1,800 and I think 32 Christmas gifts wow. to kids in school that would not have had mm-hmm. Christmas gifts otherwise. So there's things you can do like that. Yeah, you can just you know uh, see what your neighbor might need. You know who knows you if you see a need, try to fill that. You know, uh, are, some people look at it strictly as a tax deduction, right. but and it's nice when you get that, but sometimes you don't always get that. And there are needs everywhere. I mean, I think if you look at all, you you can find needs, and it's you know not everybody's as fortunate 
And I will tell you that you never know what even a kind word, it may not even have to do with finances, but during this time of year, I, I often reflect on that. Even a kind word at the right time can change the course of somebody's life. So it's really important to be charitable with money, but also with your time and with your attitude. Yeah, and I would I would throw this out there too, especially this year, you guys. There are people with the higher prices and things that are really having a hard time making ends meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, if we see those folks in need, you know, let's reach out and help them if we can. Right. If you're in the supermarket, you uh, see someone that it looks like that's a stretch for them to pay the bill, go ahead and, and tell the cashier, I'll pay the bill for them if you've got the money to do that. I think that's what Christmas is really all about. It's remembering the real meaning of Christmas and realizing that we did receive the ultimate gift, and it is always a good idea to pay that forward. We're talking with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group. Once again, before we get out of here for this segment, we want to remind people, if you want to give yourself the gift of financial stability so that you can give better, get in and see Randy and Jake there. Get your complimentary, no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. It's not going to cost you a dime. Most importantly, no judgment to Floyd Financial Group. To get yours, 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233 or also online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this Christmas season, we're going to give you a couple more financial gifts here. And these are financial moves you must make to give yourself a gift before the end of the year. That's right. And the end of the year, oh my gosh, look at my calendar. It says it's a, it's, it's a week away. So we're going to cover it, right? <laughs> Hopefully these are some things that we can do re- relatively quickly, but nevertheless, good information. So, you know, the end of the year, it's a really busy time. I think most people know that social calendars are full and people's minds are focused on the holidays, but it's also very important during those quiet times to carve out a little time here in the next week to take assessment of your financial health. So let's start off with one of the first things that you think people will be able to do here before the end of the year, Randy and Jake? Yeah, sure thing, Jeff. So, you know, we have a lot of folks that are within this five-year window of retirement. Some, you know, we know are we've got people lined up already on the calendar. They're going to be pulling the trigger early in 2023 all the way through mid-2023. And one of the things we always talk about in here, you know, is maxing out your 401k for the year or your IRA or your SEP IRA. Make sure that you're getting all those tax deductions that you're due. And so if you haven't made sure that you've done that, and if you're sitting here and you've had a good Good year. Uh, yes, there are still people that are having good years out there, Jeff. It's not all negative, even though there's quite a bit of bad news on the horizon. There's people that are having good years. Right. So just remember that, uh, you know, for this year, if you're 50 and under, you can tuck away $20,500 into your 401k or up to 27000 if you're 50 and older. So uh, if you haven't max funded that and you've got extra money sitting around that you don't need, I don't know if anybody has any extra money. One guy said, do you have excess funds? I said, I don't think I've ever had excess funds. But anyway, um, but yeah, if you have yeah. money that is going to be taxed otherwise and you're giving the government 25, 30, 35% of it, it might be good to go ahead and fund your 401k and max it out. And also bear in mind that next year limits increase for those 50 and under. It's 22,500 you can contribute. And for those, are you ready for this? 50 and older, ding, 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 30 
thousand wow. dollars. That's twenty five hundred a month, right? Now that's inflation runs amount. rampant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I guess you could so call anyway, those excess funds, right? I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, you might call them that. So uh, it, the other thing too, you know, to bear in mind is on those four hundred one k plans. Look at how you're invested. Look at how things have grown or how some things have not grown during the year in your account, and uh, be sure to take a look at rebalancing. If you want some help with rebalancing, we know a couple people that might help you with that. Yeah, uh, Randy and Jake. So that's right. We're talking to them <laughs> right now, and I guess. Uh, I've heard somebody say nothing wins forever, so rebalancing your portfolio, always a good idea. Next one, I think, is to meet with a CPA or other tax pro before the end of the year to review your estimated 2022 tax liability. Is that right? Yep, that's for sure. You know, some people sold land this year, real estate, you know, or maybe some rental property that they had, or maybe they inherited some money and or they're about to. And there's lots of things that you should look at tax-wise to be sure that you're taking advantage of all of the potential tax write-offs and repositioning of money. Case in point, Jeff, I'll give you an interesting one here. I have a client right now that's inheriting about 250 actual thousand dollars in some annuity contracts that this person's mother had. Right. And she had had these annuity contracts for a long time and so her cost basis on that 250 is only around $80,000. Mm-hmm. And so that means that all the rest of that is taxable. Well, there's a little known thing and she said, "Well, I really don't want to pay all those taxes and this couple they have a pretty good income already and so this was going to push them into that 22% tax bracket and push them way up there quite a bit, almost to the 24, and cost them quite a bit more taxes and also cost them more taxation to get Medicare Part B. You know, if you make as a married couple too much money, they're going to, for a whole year, up what you pay for Medicare Part B. Right. So we're going to do something called a, and this is going to be an interesting term for people, a post-death 1035 exchange. Hmm. Now, some people will know that a 1035 exchange is a tax-free exchange of life insurance and annuity contracts, but this one is where she's inheriting from her mom. And what we discovered here is we're going to save her right off the top $15,000 in taxes. And of course, you know, when you give that money to the government and it goes in the tax pocket, when does that come back, (laughs) Jeff? (laughs) Well, I'm still waiting and uh, I don't don't think I better hold my breath too long on that one. I don't think it, it ever comes back, does it? No, it doesn't doesn't ever come back that I know of. And uh, I can only drive on so many roads and swing on so many swings in the park. The only time it comes back is if you have another pandemic, you know, and they start throwing it out of the helicopters again. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Let's hope not. (laughs) Yeah, let's hope not. I agree. That did not work out so well for us at this time. So if our listeners want to meet with a CPA, maybe they don't have a CPA. Can you suggest somebody? Uh, yeah, we got this guy that hangs out here one day a week with us that owns a pretty successful tax and accounting firm. He's in here to help our clients, and he certainly is willing to sit down and help people plan for taxes rather than, you know, we want to try to plan ahead if we can and know what the outcome is going to be ahead of time, not go, oh, I didn't see that coming. You know, (laughs) we want to try to get ahead of that curve, and he can certainly help do that. That's Rod Link. Yeah, I was going to say Rod Link in case you forgot his name, but I'm sure that you didn't forget his name. (laughs) Rod, very important to us here. We love Rod Link. But again, there's only a a week left before the end of the year. So, I mean, probably we should have uh, gotten ahead of this a little bit before this. 
Could you also maybe refile a Form W-4 with your employer? I mean, is it a good idea to maybe take a look at your withholding to see if you're withholding enough or maybe you want to withhold more or less? Yeah, I think that it's one of those things where if you haven't had somebody really review it with you, I would suggest that for people that are, you know, on a W-4 where you're, you have to fill that out to get your taxes withheld from your paycheck and all that, you should do during the year just a tax checkup, maybe in September or something of each year and kind of see where you are and how you're shaking out there so that you can make changes and then know how to make changes for that following year. Now, if you've been coming in right on the money and looking good, then I wouldn't worry about that too much. But I know for so many people, they come up a little short. And I'll tell you, have you looked? I mean, have you looked at that W-4 form? I was about to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. That so in, 20, in 2020, they redid that form and you need a PhD in taxation oh my to gosh. fill that thing out. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. But anyway, that is something that you want to look at. Now, a lot of people are uh, happy when they file a tax return because they get a refund. Uh, but boy, I'm getting $3,000 back. I don't know. How do you feel about that? To me, it seems like you're just loaning the government money with no interest. I would agree with that, Jeff. And I think it's a little bit personal preference. So there's a lot of people that find peace in the fact that they're not going to have to come up with any money and they would rather have a refund. Right. And, you know, over, over if it's like a thousand or two thousand dollar refund, you know, at two to four percent interest, you know, it's it costs you 40 to 80 dollars worth yeah. of, you know, interest on that money to have the peace of mind to know you're not going to have to come up with it. I can yeah. understand that personally. Right. I would much rather write the check, have the use of my money all year long right. and pay them two percent interest or whatever it is they're charging right now. You know, that's a little personal preference. I, I don't mm-hmm. think you want to be too far to one side or the other. You don't want to owe a whole bunch and you don't want to get a huge refund where you would have had use of that money in the meantime. So let me throw out one other thing out here. And this this will be for a lot of people. They will they will think he has lost his mind. But anyway, I'm <laughs> I, I think that all the time. <laughs> I would I would say that yeah. that what I look to do is know what my taxes are going to be, and I've gotten pretty adept at getting this done. So I know what my taxes are going to be, and many years I know that I'm not going to file and I'm not going to pay taxes till 15 October. Right now, that's generally when we have a bull market, and people say, "Why in the world would that be?" Well, if you're going to owe a pretty substantial chunk in taxes, wouldn't you rather have the earnings between April and October, knowing that you can file the extension, maybe pay a little penalty, but you might make a bunch more money in the process. Well, and like from 2020 to, you know, and last year for sure, um, I'd have to look at what the exact interest number is this year. But, you know, I think the, the annual interest they were paying was 1.99% annualized is what you would pay, quote unquote, borrowing that money from the IRS. You know, that's a very small price to pay. I mean, during 2021, you would have made a bunch of money waiting till October instead of, you know, giving that money right away. So there's there's some times where it makes sense to do one or the other. For the average listener, though, of this show, they have a steady job with a steady paycheck, and you don't really have to worry about all the uh, all the financial engineering of yeah. worrying about retired. when and how to pay taxes right. and yeah. that kind of thing. I'd say 90% of the people listening to this are going to have, you know, a salary or an hourly wage, and your paycheck pretty much looks the same. So we can really drill down and and make that work the way you want it to work. We're talking about must-do financial moves to make it for the end of the year with Randy Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Next one is uh, something that's hard to say, tax loss harvesting. It's something that you can do by the end of the year. What is that, guys? 
<laughs> we talked about this earlier that tax lost harvesting is one of those things that's hard to say, right? right? But anyway, so what it amounts to is during the year, if you have money that's outside of an IRA or a retirement account, so it's in a brokerage account where you have lost some money over this year, because let's face it, most people are down, portfolios are down probably 18% across the S&P 500, and we're down on the NASDAQ, on the more techie side of things, closer to 30%. And so there's some tax lost harvesting that can be done out there. And basically what it amounts to is you sell your losses to cover any potential gains you would like to take on capital gains, whether they be short-term or long-term, they offset each other dollar for dollar. Now, I'm not saying that long-term offsets short-term. Short-term capital gains are offset by short-term capital losses and long-term capital gains are offset by long-term capital losses. And then finally, gentlemen, uh, I think everybody knows that you can donate cash, you can donate clothing, or you can donate furniture to a favorite charity for non-cash charitable deduction. Absolutely. You can keep track of that, write down what you've done. And yeah, that's all you're going to need to prove that to the IRS. I would also say this, that a couple of things we need to think about People say, well, how much can I actually give to charity? Well, you know, if you want to give something to a 501c3, a church or something like that, some type of an organization that that is nonprofit, you can give up to 50% of your AGI, your adjusted gross income. Now, I'm not sure that most people would be willing to do that, but they need to know that there is a large number out there that you can do to offset taxes and things. So for there's a few people out there listening that I know are in the 42% tax bracket, meaning 37 for the Fed, 5% for the state of Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, and probably even an investment tax, which would probably put you to 45%. And so sometimes giving to charity is a much better thought process than sometimes just giving it, it to the government. it feels even better than just giving to charity. Right. But there is a standard. Standard deduction, I think it's what, $27,700 is what you get in 2023. I don't remember exactly what it is here in 2022. So if you do itemize with those charitable deductions, you've got to... You have to get north of that number. That's right. Yeah, you got to get north of it. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do that because that cash and and those contributions go to make uh, other people's lives better. So that is something to consider. We're talking about some things that you can do here before the end of the year here on Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd in the end of the year course is but a week away. Once again, listening to this program, you'd like a no cost, no obligation, no judgment financial plan with Randy and Jake. Get in there and set an appointment with these guys. Probably it's going to be after the first of the year right now. But again, it's not going to cost you anything. 417-889-7233 to get your financial plan. 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on my favorite radio station, 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money radio with your host, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. In that previous segment, we were talking about must-do financial moves before year end, and we're going to continue in that vein with a couple of other things. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the cryptocurrency deal. Since we were talking about taking write-offs, Jake, let's go ahead and talk about that. Sure. So, you know, one of the other things that you can take tax loss harvesting on is cryptocurrency. So if you're one of the people, the poor souls that has been (laughs) buying and uh, owning cryptocurrency in the last 12 months, or really even the last 18 months, depending on what we're talking about, that also applies to where you can sell that stuff before the end of the year. 
and you can offset, you know, like Randy said, short term for short term, long term for long term, depending on how long you've held it. That's something that people have not thought a lot about because cryptocurrency has only gone up to this point or till last year where it's been gain only that people have been worried about. But now there are quite a lot of people. In fact, the average person is down now on Bitcoin quite a lot, actually, uh, as far as when they invested the money versus where they are now. The average person is down, uh, I think, like 30 or 40 percent the last stat I looked at. So if that's you, while it didn't feel good to take that loss, you might as well use it to offset some tax dollars. We're continuing to talk about things to do here before the end of the year. And uh, the next one applies to business owners. What can business owners do before the end of the year or what should they do? Sure. So, you know, if you're a business owner and there's some things that you need to purchase, maybe, maybe it's uh, you need some new computers, maybe you need a new printer, maybe you need to pay. Uh, like for us, we have continuing education dues. We have what's called errors and omissions insurance. We can pay ahead of that. We have compliance fees that we pay ahead. Sometimes like I paid a whole year on a lot of that stuff this year just to kind of get the tax deduction for the year. Some cases uh, it, where it can make sense, you might want to buy an automobile and let the company own it. Mm -hmm. Now, again, if you have never done this, don't just run out and buy an automobile until you talk to somebody about how that works, because you have to have certain, there's certain limitations and regulations you have to follow. But if you'd like to talk about that, we have a guy here in the office that yep. can fill you in right. completely on how that would work. And so what ends up happening a lot of times is the business can buy that vehicle and you can use it and you can get a really substantial write-off where basically you end up getting the government to help you buy your car. Many of the farmers out there know this is true. That's true. So yeah, so if you need new equipment of some sort, you know, there's just many, many things that you can spend money on here at the tail end of the year. Now, here's where it always gets kind of dicey. There are those things that you say, well, I might like to have that, but do I really need that? Right. So think of it this way. If you're in the 30% tax bracket, and you spend a dollar on something you need, then you saved yourself 30%. If you're in the 30% tax bracket and you spend a dollar on something you don't need, you still spend a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Farmer, farmers out there can also attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I may not need uh, climate control or something like, I don't know, I may not need a, you know, a video screen in my tractor, but it sure would be nice to have that. So yeah, <laughs> celebrating wants and needs. I mean, that's something that a lot of people go their entire lives without learning how to do. We're talking about financial moves that you might want to make before the end of the year. And again, as far as business owners go, when you talked about buying equipment, gentlemen, does that mean equipment that you would normally buy in the coming year that you want to buy it before the end of the year? So here's what it all boils down to. You know, you run year to year to year on taxes. So if it's normal stuff, unless you've had a really good year, and let me say this about that. There are lots of small business owners out here that have had really good years this year. They have made a lot of money, and they're going to owe a lot of taxes. I know this to be the case. So if they are in a higher tax bracket than they would normally be in, and they need to buy some of this stuff, what we can probably do is get them maybe down a tax bracket or two by potentially buying some of this or paying some of this stuff uh, a little bit ahead for like an annual membership or something that they may need. So just know that next year, of course, it may not work out to be the same way. But again, if you've had a great year and you're looking to mitigate taxes, these are just some things to think about. Yeah, I was going to say too, Randy, that we want to write off some taxes, but we don't want to write off so much this year 
that we leave ourselves exposed for next year. So that's part of where the tax planning aspect of this can come into play. And it's something we can talk about, something that we can talk about with Rod Link, if that's appropriate for your situation. But that's all things that we can touch on when you come in for your no obligation consultation. Yeah. And one last thing I want to throw out here right quick too. If you are a small business owner and you don't really have someone that is really advising you on how to run and set up your business, I think there's a lot to be said for having somebody to help you do that. I remember 22 years ago when Lisa and I started this company, I quit my corporate job, cashed in my 401k, all that stuff to start this business. And I I had run business and I knew a lot about it, but I didn't know the finer points of social security and tax planning right. and LLCs and all those sorts of things. If you're running a business like that and you do not have a true tax advisor, you are definitely leaving money on the table. Hmm. I, I mean, with almost 100% certainty. It's not about that you need to be paying somebody. It's more that what you pay them will easily be recouped Absolutely. by what they will save you. I would agree 100% with that because, you know, I knew early on, you know, when you're, whenever you're starting a business, and sometimes this works this way for people, I say sometimes, a lot of times it works this way for a small business owner. You start off, you're on a shoestring, things are tight. Sometimes you're paying your employees and you don't get a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden that year rolls around to where everything falls into place. And if you stay in business for a few years and you do that, just staying there and doing it and working will create more business for you than you can ever advertise and get. But the long and the short of it is you're going to hit that time where all of a sudden you're going to go boom and you're going to make a big profit. And if you aren't careful, it'll sneak up on you. You'll end up paying too much in Social Security tax. Anyway, I'm just telling you, get, yeah. a, get a professional to help you. We have Rod here that can help you with all that stuff. And he is truly a professional. In fact, he was in tax class this week or last week wow. with his assistant learning about all the new stuff coming up for 2023. Yeah, and Rod Link doesn't necessarily live there. He does come into the office uh, one day a week to help your clients. But definitely, he is a very, very valuable resource. For those people who have side hustles and they're thinking in 2023, I want to maybe expand this a little bit. They're going to have the choice of either doing it as a sole proprietor or forming some sort of a business structure. What advice would you give to someone in that situation? Well, we are not lawyers and do not practice law without a license, nor are we tax professionals practicing tax advice with that kind of thing. However, I will say that generally speaking, if you're making very much money at all, you need to have some sort of limited liability structure because mm -hmm. you do not want to be out there flapping in the wind doing business. Um, you need to be protected from a liability standpoint. And so there are also benefits to the LLC structure when, you, when it comes to paying yourself and right. any potential employees. Employees, where you can limit how much Social Security tax you're paying and that kind of thing. But again, that's all stuff that I don't want to give too broad of advice on just because it's going to vary a lot based on the business, based on how much revenue there is, based on how many employees you have and that kind of thing. But generally speaking, you definitely don't want to just be if you're making, I would argue, even five or $600 a month or more, mm -hmm. you need to have some sort of structure to limit your liability in that fashion. Yeah, I would also say that, you know, one of the biggest things that keeps probably small business owners from engaging someone like this is they're afraid it may cost them two, three, four, five hundred $500 a month to do. Right. Let me say this. If your business is big enough where you're making a couple of grand a month, they will save you that much money mm -hmm. and actually help you really understand what you need to know about growing your business business looking forward. 
I would also say one of the other things that we're that to kind of wrap up this segment, we talked a lot about taxes and, and all that sort of thing. I will tell you that one of the things you should be looking at is what would I like to be different about next year than this year? And sit down and kind of develop a plan in your mind as to where you would want to go and what you'd want to do. And then really go about reverse engineering the plan to get you there. And if you'd like to talk more about this, I'd love to talk about this kind of stuff because I grew up in business and spent many years in corporate America where, you know, in corporate America, the way it works is you're always supposed to do more with less. So soon you're doing everything with nothing. Right. But, but, you know, but, I like that. But yeah, right. But goals, controls, understanding, and really putting forward where you want to go is an important part of really growing a business uh, and then having people on your team that can help it advise you as you hit milestones is really important. A lot of small businesses to that end, I think, happen accidentally. You know, it's something where, especially like you were talking about, Jeff, the side hustle aspect of this, where, you know, maybe you like to knit blankets and then all of a sudden, you know, so-and-so wants one and so-and-so wants one. And before you know it, you're making a lot of blankets, right. and you're, you know, whatever it is. And I think when it happens by accident, it's easy to be a poor business manager because you don't view it as a business. Right. And I think that's not a judgment on anybody. That's just simply, if you're not intentional about thinking about that business, things are going to slip through the cracks and you're going to spend more money on stuff that you don't really need to spend money on. And just paying attention to it, I think, is, is a big key. Yeah. And the other thing I might throw out here right quick, I know we're, we're droning on on this quite no, a bit. No, that's okay. I think this is pretty important. What is a small business? You know, we've talked a little bit about the small, small end of small business, but we were just talking about this yesterday that out of corporate America, out of all the publicly traded companies out there from the Microsofts to the Amazons and all those, they make up about 25% of the workforce. That's who they employ. All those companies, only about 25%. Who employs the rest? Small business. Right. That's who it is. Mm -hmm. Those people with between two and 25 or 50 employees. And so there's a lot of those people out there. And I will just tell you that it's been my experience having been there, grown up, done that in, this, in my own business here. There's a lot of people out there that don't know what advice they're missing. And I would just encourage them to come in and sit down and talk with Rod or talk with us. And we'll be happy to, to it won't cost anything for them to have their consultation still. And, you know, they'll see where they are and if they're on track and uh, they may say, hey, you guys are crazy and never come back. But, you know, <laughs> it's OK. <laughs> you know, But uh, we think it's, it's certainly worth the conversation. We've been talking about must do financial moves to make before the end of the year with Randy and Jake Floyd, Floyd Financial Group. And again, if you missed any part of the program, uh, you can always catch us on the podcast. We're located wherever you get your podcast. Simply search Show Me the Money, Randy and Jake Floyd, and there's a lot of shows there. There's bound to be one that applies to you. Once again, as Randy said, no cost, no obligation financial plan is yours for the taking. If you would like yours, 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with the final portion of our show here on this Christmas Eve here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, if you're planning to retire in 2023, there's some things we really need to talk about like right now. 
Right, and a wonderful retirement is goal of a lot of people, and you want it to come off without any major snags. So let's talk about this in depth a little bit. We'll try to get as far as we can with this. Planning to retire in 2023, we suggest that you do these things. What is the first one, Randy or Jake? Well, the first thing, in light of where we are right now in the world and what's going on, We know that we have a recession coming down the pike here. This is something that the current administration has been denying for the last year or so that we're going to have a recession, but we knew that it was in the cards. There was just no way to really avoid it. Now, the depth of that, we don't know what that's going to look like. So we need to be sure that we have appropriately aligned our portfolio so that we don't lose too much money to the downside of this market. And there's some places we can go today where, uh, you know, a lot of portfolio managers have been parked in cash a lot right now through the year, as have we. We've had a lot of cash on the sidelines, but now there's some places to go where we can actually get some interest as Jerome Powell continues to push interest rates up to help us push the economy into a little bit of a recession. There's some places to get four, four and a half percent annualized returns out Mm -hmm. there in a safe vehicle. So that's one of the things that we're looking at. So I guess the first thing is let's make sure that we are protecting what we've earned and what we've saved over the last 25, 30, 40, 45 years, that's going to be first and foremost. We can't really allow ourselves to take a really big downside bath here as we're trying to go into retirement in 2023. And that's the financial side of things. How important is it for the people listening to this program who are planning to retire in 2023 to really define what retirement is for them? I mean, what do they want to do in their retirement? I think part of that is the budget planning process of retirement, meaning you have to know what it is that you're going to do when you get done to know what it's going to cost you to do it. And I think that that's something, there's a lot of people that are about to retire that really haven't given that much thought. You know, what, what, when I'm done, what am I going to do with my time? And based on, you know, some people are perfectly happy to fish off the bank uh, at the, at the Creek, you know, and that doesn't cost a whole lot of money. Some people want to travel the world, which costs a ton of money, especially in today's world. And so knowing what you want to do with your time, you know, there's a lot of people that are charitably minded that are going to donate their time, you know, help Convoy of Hope or help their church or a number of other worthy causes. I think that those are very admirable. And But knowing what you're going to do with that time really is is a major component of building a budget. Yeah, I would agree with that, Jake. I had a guy the other day in here that he told me, he says, all I want to do is go sit on my porch and watch my cattle and grass grow. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's my kind of retirement, guys. There you go. That's right. I thought that was pretty good. He's ready to relax. That's right. And I I think a lot of what you're going to do depends on what kind of job you've had. You know, Mm -hmm. if you've been in the thick of it, 70 and 80 hours a week, sitting and watching grass grow might sound like your idea of heaven. Other people who have worked, you know, maybe a desk job, 35 hours a week are ready to go do something. Right. So I think that, you know, all that plays into it and everybody's a little bit different. We have people that say, you know, I'm going to go out. And I'm going to buy, you know, an economical RV. I'm going to sell my house and I'm going to travel the country. Uh, any Anywhere where there's a road to take me, I'm going to go look at it over the next decade. And some people that would cost a lot of money because mm-hmm. of where they would want to eat and what they would want to do. Some people can live more cheaply that way than they can in a house. And so it's really up to you. But I think giving that some thought is a very good thing to do prior to the retirement itself. So decide what your retirement is going to look like for you and then design a financial plan that'll help you pay for that, whatever it is. What's the next thing on the list beyond those two? What's the next thing we want to consider when planning for retirement next year? 
Yeah, so I think that as you uh, enter retirement, uh, you got to look at a couple things, and we'll talk about two or three things here. Number one is we got to look at, you know, what's the impact of inflation over the years? You know, we came through a period of time here, you know, back in the late 70s and the early 80s, inflation was really high. And I don't know if you uh, watch any of the financial shows or not, but they've been comparing everything to 1980, 1981, mm-hmm. 1980, 1981, 1980, 1981, all over <laughs> yeah. the place, right? Over and over and over. And so uh, we know kind of where we are. I don't think we're going to be in a similar situation because if you remember, interest rates went really high. In fact, the 10-year Treasury bill, that's where you give our government your money for 10 years, went to 15 plus percent in interest payments is what it paid. So if you put $10,000 on deposit, Jeff, you'd get $1,500 a year interest on that. Well, back in August of 2020, you'd have gotten $53 Yeah, <laughs> if you'd have put that same money out there. Mm-hmm. I think also part of that discussion is people watch the news and they see these reports. Well, inflation is coming down. Inflation coming down is not the same as prices coming down. And so if inflation's running at 10% and it comes down to 8%, it's still going up by 8% per year. People, I think, misunderstand that when they think prices are actually going to come down at some point. And I would argue that that's probably not going to happen on the vast majority of goods. Now, I do think the 8 to 10% inflation, you know, and 30 and 40% inflation, frankly, on certain items, uh, I don't have to tell the people listening to this that. I, I think that that type of inflation will come back down to where it's not going up as much, but to think that prices are going to go back to where they were two years ago is just simply not going to happen. And so I, I think that, uh, like Randy said, we need to keep in mind where inflation is, where it's going. I think long-term, I think 2 or 3% inflation is all we really need to worry about, right. it, it, which seems crazy right now, right, when, when inflation's running crazy uh, rampant right now at 8% or whatever. But long term, if we factor in two to three percent inflation, that'll get you most of the way there. But you do need to, you know, have that in there. If you're going to retire on fifty thousand a year, twenty years from now, at three percent inflation, you're going to need, you know, seventy-five, eighty thousand a year. And mm-hmm. so, inflation does matter, and it does eat away at your spending power. And we had two and three percent inflation there for quite some time. But as you said, it's considerably higher than that. And it looks like in twenty twenty-three, it's not going to bounce back to those uh, very low figures anytime soon. We're talking about how to prepare yourself for retirement in 2023 with Randy and Jake Floyd, Floyd Financial Group. Next one is protecting your assets from the market. How do you protect your assets from the market beyond just getting out of the market? Good question, Jeff. So there's a lot of tools out there that we can use today. One of the things that is, you know, right now, I, I kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, bonds are in a position now to where they actually can make some sense. Now, we don't want to go long-term bonds, and we don't probably want to get into junk bonds or high-yield bonds is the correct, politically correct term for that, because of the fact that interest rates, while they're getting pushed up right now, are probably going to come back down, and we may have some credit issues because high-yield bonds are, you know, less credit worthy companies to start with. But protecting your assets from the market is really, really important that you don't take too much downside. We've talked about the story of Mr. Green and Mr. Brown on here many, many times that they both each got a 6% return on their investment over 25 years. They both started with a million dollars and they took 50,000 a year or a 5% withdrawal. 
But after just a few years, one guy was totally broke and the other guy had more money than he started with. And that was simply due to the fact of how the market returned in the early years, especially for Mr. Green and Mr. Brown. And I know, Jeff, you can control the stock market, but most of us mere mortals cannot do that. (laughs) And And so that's really what happens. We have to make sure that we engineer a plan that works really, you know, no matter what happens. And sometimes people say, well, how do you know that the market will ever be good again? And how do you know this is not the apocalypse? Well, I just always tell them, you know, if it is, none of this matters anyway. So we have to live in the world where the world keeps spinning, the world keeps turning. And we look at history and the fact that there's seven and a half, I think, billion people on the planet now. Business will get done. The markets will turn around. But we have to have a plan that works through all kinds of financial storms and weather when you get into retirement. And again, it's not something that is just, you can say, well, just do this and that, and then it's done. It's an initial planning stage that where we put the plan together, and then it's an ongoing monitoring of that plan and making adjustments where we need to as we need to. And we'll wrap it up with this one, gentlemen, and, and that is health care. I mean, what might surprise some people is how much health care costs are in 2023 for those people who are not on Medicare. So let's talk about those people under age 65, those people over 65. Yeah, you know, the uh, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act is the actual correct name, I guess, for it. But the affectionate name is Obamacare has really been one of those things that completely blew up the healthcare system worse than it already was a few years back. Mm-hmm. The long and the short of it is for people under 65 today, unless they are of pretty low income, they end up paying a considerable amount of money. Now, let me say this, 2023, they sweetened the pot again. And so the Affordable Care Act coverage is going to get a little cheaper and the subsidies are gonna be better. But it's still a very, very important portion of what you need to consider when you retire if you're under age 65. Where am I going to get health care that if I can afford the premium to pay for it still covers me effectively enough to where I don't go broke paying deductibles and co-pays and, and out-of-pocket expense? So um, the thing I would tell you, again, is you know if it's something that you're looking at and staring at right now, give us a call. We'll set you down with Tony Gossard, our guy here, that what he does is health insurance and He's been doing it a long time, and he has all the information, all the companies available, and he's happy to sit down with you and help you kind of go through that. As we go through a retirement plan, we can certainly get that portion plugged into your retirement plan so that we know exactly what we're doing looking forward in that area. And once again, if you're over 65, you can get Medicare. But again, Medicare doesn't cover everything, does it? No, no, it certainly doesn't. Medicare Part A, you know, is basically a hospital and a first three pints of blood transfusion, that that sort of thing. Part B then is the part that comes in and really covers more outpatient things, you know, like doctor's office visits and that sort of thing. But there's a deductible on that and it only pays a portion of it. So you have to have a Medicare supplement plan or an Advantage plan that will help bridge the gaps in Medicare Part A and B. And so uh, that's B as in boy. So if you buy a supplement, you'll pay a premium for that each month. You'll have to buy a Part D as in dog drug card to go along with that. Or if you're okay with doing a Medicare Advantage plan, which most people are, uh, I have one myself. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't, probably shouldn't have told you that. Now people know how old I am, but anyway. <laughs> you're a young uh, man. You're a young man. <laughs> but I have a Medicare Advantage plan, and I love it. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. But again, the whole insurance thing and the healthcare planning perspective of this, including long-term care, is something 
something that really warrants a pretty good in-depth conversation so people know exactly you know what they might be looking at looking forward over the next 10, 15, 20 years of retirement. And once again, Tony Gossert in the office can help you with that. And don't forget to reestablish your purpose as well, too. When you get into retirement, sit back, reflect. Why am I here? What should I be doing with my life? I think that's very, very important. We've been talking with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group on this Christmas Eve. Once again, if you'd like to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake and design a plan that'll get you where you need to be here in 2023, call 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. I want to take this time to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. And don't forget what Christmas is all about. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.